Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Be Empowered with R.C. Riley. This podcast features topics aimed to educate queer, trans, and BIPOC, that's Black, Indigenous, People of Color, communities. The hope is that you'll feel empowered to engage in activities that promote healing, wholeness, and equity within marginalized communities. Now, today's guests are Pastor Ron and Mrs. Dale Riley, my parents, and they will be talking about my own Black history. So without further ado, let's just jump right into Black History Month's episode of My Black History. Today, I have two very special guests with me. Actually, these are like the two most special people in my life, my parents. Pastor Ron and Mrs. Dale Riley. Welcome, Mom and Dad, to my show. Of course. So as you both know, this is Black History Month. And as such, I wanted to talk to you two about my Black history. So um, we kind of have been chatting the last few days, and you all were like, well, what exactly are you going to ask us? (laughs) So um, I just wanted to have a general conversation about kind of like your parents and your grandparents and then parenthood in general and thinking about a legacy that um, started with people well before me, our ancestors, and they continued. So the first question, I'm just going to jump right in, Dad, and ask you, how far back can you go in your lineage on your mother's side? So... You remember your mother, and what was her name? Minnie uh, Rogers. Okay, so, um, and then Minnie, and then what was her mother's name? Her name was... Um, your grandmother. My grandmother, I, I, I know, and we just called her grandma, but, but uh, I, I may have to come back to grandma's name. No problem. Uh, because a lot of us can't remember like way back when. But mm-hmm. I know that um, as a kid, I remember hanging out at Grandma Minnie's house. She lived in Gary, Indiana. And I would spend, you, you both might have better memory than I do on this, but I know that um, like breaks, spring breaks, I would spend with her. Um, summer times, I really was with my other grandparents. So, which brings me mom to you. So your parents, let's start on your mother's side. So your mother, what was her name? Bernice. Okay, so we got Bernice, and then what was her mother's name? Florence, but we called her Ma. Okay, so Ma, so that's yes. your grandmother. Yes. So can you go back any further than that? Not, not on my mother's side. That's all I remember ever meeting. Okay. And uh, this is another reason I wanted to do this, because a lot of times uh, we think that we can recount generations back and then we end up just going to our own grandparents. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever meeting Ma. Was I born when she was alive? I don't know. Okay. And then, Dad, I wasn't uh, born when your grandmother was alive, was I? I don't remember. Yes. No, no, I'm sorry. No, you were not alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I don't, I couldn't go back any further than without asking you to. Mm-hmm. I would have to stop with my grandmother, the same as you. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that there's so many um, DNA tests out there now and people will go back and they'll find like, this is of course, like generations, hundreds of years going back to their ancestors from like what tribe in Africa they're from and everything, Mm -hmm. but going back through their lineage. And um, I thought about doing that because I had a feeling that, um, that I can't remember past my grandmother and that you all might not be able to remember past your grandmothers, but I have this fear about giving my DNA because I think about, I don't know, Mama Day, if you know about Henrietta Lacks. But since this is Black History Month, um, for those listening, this is Be Empowered with RC, and I'm here with my parents, Pastor Ron and Mrs. Dale Riley. And since it is Black History Month, we'll just talk a minute about Henrietta, Henrietta um, Lacks. So her DNA, like her cells, are still being used today. So there was this special called, um, let me get the name right. I have to read my notes to get the name right. But the Henrietta Lacks, hmm, I don't even have have the name in my notes here. But there's this um, story all about the fact that she had um, cancer and then without her consent, well, this is back in like 1950s when she died. um, So there wasn't really this idea of having consent to take people's protective health information mm-hmm. and things like that. But um, so without her or her family's consent, they took her cells and then found that um, her cells like kept dividing and then they remained alive long enough to continue to multiply. And so previous to this, researchers that were looking at cells to try to find things like cure for polio and other scientific advances, um, the cells would die while they were trying to study them. So they kept regenerating, regenerating her cells. And then they like shipped her cells, like this is her DNA across the whole country. So I think it started at Johns Hopkins. And so all these people had her like lineage in their hands. So her family ended up finding out later, I think maybe by 1970s or 1980s, um, Oprah Winfrey um, did a special on her. So this is a very fascinating story. So she um, like really helped advance science, but it was without her consent. So long story short, um, I have this fear of somebody taking my DNA and then a hundred years later, (laughs) so I mean, it could advance science, but that's just my little thing there. So if there's anybody out there who has done any of those ancestry um, kind of DNA tests, let me know or write in the chat right now and tell me if you've done it. And tell me what you found out and if it was exciting, that whole process. I'd like to hear about that. Um, so back to my parents here. So you can go back. Um, when I asked how far back you can go, you can go to your grandparents. Okay. So mom, what about on your father's side? Just one note on my mother's side. I did remember when I was a little girl going to a funeral. My mother said that was her father's funeral, but she said you couldn't have been any more than two, three years old. But I remember seeing a casket that looked like a, a, a basket. So she said mm-hmm. I was couldn't have been no more than two on my mother's side going to my her father's funeral. Oh wow! And that was that's as far as I can remember that there. But on my dad's side, I knew his mother, uh, Grandma Nona, and uh, I remember going south 
in, in fact, my sister under me and I visited down south, Lexington, Mississippi, from the age of five to 14. So I got to know a lot of my father's uh, relatives okay. on the dad's side. So he came, so so that was my grandfather. So yes. my grandfather, Lee Willie, mm-hmm. came to, did he come straight to Maywood? He uh, married my mother. My mother was brought here by her aunt. Uh, and she became her guardian to finish school. She's finished one year of high school here at Proviso East. Okay. But she knew my dad from her childhood. He joined the Army. When he uh, got out of the Army, he came looking for her in Lexington, Mississippi. She went back home. They married. When they got married, they came here to my aunt at that time was working in, in the laundry room in a Heinz hospital. She purchased a two-flat building where um, she was like our railroad at history. She would bring relatives from the South through her building. You could stay till you found a job. So you found a job and made money, then you moved on. So when my parents wow. came here, and stayed with my mother, which I remember till about fifth grade. We stayed in the uh, building that my aunt had. But by that time, she had retired and went back south, and dad and mom was on the first floor, and another relative on the second floor. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so let me just retract, because this this is for real, my Black history. Okay, this is exciting. Okay, so... Um, so, so my grandparents, Lee, Willie and Bernice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they both grew up in Lexington, Mississippi. That's correct. Okay. And then my grandmother, so Bernice came up here to live with her aunt, mm-hmm. my aunt Lemmy. Mm-hmm. And, and then granddaddy was in the service and then he was, got out the service mm-hmm. and went back to Lexington, Mississippi looking for her. Yes. She wasn't there, but she was up here. Okay, so he came, he found her. I, I'm assuming family in Mississippi yes. were like, oh, she went up north. Uh, like, yes. she didn't migrate with everybody else. Yes. Okay, so she comes up north, and he goes to A. Lemmy's house, and like, I'm, I'm in my sanctified imagination. He knocks on the door. <laughs> I'm here to get this woman that's going to be my wife. Okay, and so the fascinating part about this, though, is that you said A. Lemmy purchased a building. Yes. And use that building as a way to bring other people through and help them get on their feet when they yes. were migrating from the South, coming yes. up North. Yes. Oh my goodness. That, that's fantastic. <laughs> wow. So, whoa. Okay. So now you said that you went down um, to Mississippi because your my granddaddy wanted to make sure that you knew the family. Yes. What was that like? <clears throat> it was a... A learning experience throughout. At the time, I didn't know that much about it. We just went to the country because we had Aunt Lily lived in Lexington, Mississippi, in the country, where when she left, retired from Hines, her father had a house built for her there. From there, that's where we went. We stayed in the country. Um, we would pick beans off of 
the vines there and all the summer things in, in, in the country. The red dirt <laughs> up and down the road and it was literally roads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we went from there to another aunt up the road where we stayed, which I found out not until I was grown, that was really my step-grandmother's house, but we called her Aunt Hattie. Okay. And we would go from there to my grandmother's house in Pickens, Mississippi, still in the country, but that's where we spent our summers. And I remember from age of five or six till I was 14, at the age of 14, the last summer I actually spent in the South, we were in Jackson, Mississippi, with my dad's oldest brother's house. Mm-hmm. His family lived in Jackson. Now, I do know, Mom, to cut you off, that we had briefly talked about how you have memories about, like, just the segregated oh, South. Yeah. So what were some of those My aunt memories? would take us to town on Saturday or Sundays. And she owned the car. She had purchased with her money from retirement. And she had a driver. It would take us to town. Whoa. Uh, a black woman uh, in a truck? Yeah, but it was somebody that she knew that could drive. She no longer drove. And he would come down on Saturday. That's still. That's, that's a boss move. Having drive, a driver. <laughs> drive her car with us in it. We would go to town. And first thing she would remind us before we went to town, remember to say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, yes, sir, and no, sir, to every white person we ever saw. And even when we went to like the ice cream parlor, there were two sides, two sides for colored only and for white only. Now I remember an incident when they were waiting on us. The moment a white person came to the white only side, he would stop tending to us to, and we would have to wait and then go to that white person. But mm-hmm. this was things that at the time, I never thought much of it. I was young. My aunt would say, just wait, just wait. Mm, okay. And um, there were a lot of little segregated things that as I grew older, and now I remember. Mm. But at the time, grandma would say, like, my aunt would say, this is the way the South is. Mm. That was a phrase I remember she saying to us. Okay. Because you grew up here. So you're going down there to visit. And now this is a, quote, foreign land in a way because you're going to visit. So it's like, okay, well, these are their customs. This is how they do. Mm -hmm. As a kid, not understanding that this was segregation, that this was, right. Okay. Okay. Um, And I know you also have mentioned to me in the past about when you get on the train. So did you, how did you get back and forth in the summers from here to- Either my father would drive us and take us and- take us in there south because he would stay and visit with family. Then we would take the train home to north. But we had this schedule. There was a particular scheduling for Blacks to come from the south to the north because Blacks and whites did not mingle on the same train. And they Mm. had particular days for the Blacks to go on the train in, I want to say Durant, Mississippi, where the train station was. And the very last time that I traveled from Mississippi, from Durant, Mississippi, on the train back north to uh, Chicago, Illinois. And we had to wait. The day that we had to actually change the original date we were going to come home, 
to a date that we can actually board the train. So, so just so people can hear this. So what mm -hmm. you're saying is that, like, so let's say Monday, you know, black people can't ride the train. Yeah. So, but Tuesday, then colored folks get on the train. Yes, they have particular days that you could get on as a black person to come from Mississippi to the north. And at the time, now you're, so you're like uh, 12, 13, 14. Yes. Okay. And um, so at the time, you're still thinking like, this is just the custom of this is the way down is. south. Like you're not. No. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't something that you all talked about in the home. Like there's the, the segregated south wasn't a phrase used growing up or it wasn't talked about in like a. No, okay. that phrase was not. But all I remember is when you got there, the blacks that lived there would say uh, to make sure you do certain things to pay respect and you and, and it was a yes ma'am no ma'am yes sir times that we said that to black and white but your family your relatives there would make sure that you said it to any white person that came along okay and I know um earlier we were talking about this and you had just mentioned that while you were staying there for the summer that your uh, mother and father would make sure you came home before cotton picking season. Yes. That's interesting. So did you know about the culture or have an understanding about cotton picking season or was it just like, oh, this is something they do? You know, again, just this is their culture here. Cotton picking season usually was around the time that our school started. So one summer, I do remember that we stayed a little later and my aunt wanted us to just experience it. So we went out and she had a, a, a field across from where her house was. And she actually let us, you can see the little cotton balls and the little sticky and sharp thorns. She let us try it. And she explained to us that there were people that would be there in hours, uh, get in the field and pick cotton. And I'm like, to get all the soft cotton buds out of like thorns mm. and she explained to me that's why many of them had um, scratches and cuts on their hands and I was like nope I don't want to do this let me go back home uh, but you had a choice yeah I, I had did a choice right. but if you did not this was a regular time of the season but cotton picking time was usually around August end of August when we were going back home coming up north to okay. school. Okay. That that's a lot of rich history. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And I don't know. Dad had had your wife ever told you these stories prior to me asking these questions? You know, you know very little uh conversation between my mother and myself about life in the South, except she she said she was glad to be leaving so that she can finally get indoor plumbing. And uh, and the retort. So she didn't have to use that outhouse from the south. So your mother came from Mississippi. What part of Mississippi did? She was in uh, Pace, Mississippi. Okay. So she came to up north. Mm -hmm. Um, did she go to Chicago? Did she stop in Indiana? Because I know, you know I grew up those are good questions, but I don't have an answer. I don't know if she just came up there and then Settled somewhere or okay. met some well. I know she met my father at right. some point. Yeah. Um, okay. So she came up here to get an indoor bathroom, and that that is, is 
You know what? I, I'll take that reason. That works. That works. So she comes up here, and so you, it's you, and you have two brothers, right? And I forgot. So, mom, you mentioned I think one sister was born with you, but you actually, it's it was five of you. The so, oldest right? of five. The oldest of five, right? Okay. Um. So, dad, question for you is so with grandma, what are what are some things that she that you remember from your childhood? Like, what are some things that you feel like she really left an indelible imprint on your mind? <laughs> yeah, and, and that imprint was that you know she was not a woman to be trifled with. Okay, she was a single mom, right? Um, so my my grand my mother. Your mother was a single mom, okay. right? Um, many. We talk about many here. Many Lee. Yes, many Lee. We talk about many Lee. So many Lee. So when you say she was not to be trifled with, what do you mean by that? Well, her and my uh, grandmother uh, didn't put up with any nonsense. Okay. <laughs> you know, I give you a chore to do. I expect for it to be done. Mm -hmm. And if you can't do it, and this is as they got older and, you know, got a little bit uh, mouthy, uh, she, she goes to the room and she takes a uh, arm off of the chair, <laughs> wrap some paper around it, and said, "Now, how, how smart do you think you can be if I whack you?" That was bad back in the day. Grandma, I, I whatever you want me to do. <laughs> so, your, so your grandmother lived with you My and your mother. Yeah, and sister passed away. Okay, okay. Uh, now, did she, did her, and your mother come from the south here together, or no? Was you your your mother no, was here? Uh, Mama came. Okay. Uh, and, and then at some point in, in time, uh, okay, your grandmother came up grandmother to came stay up. with her. Okay, yeah, and I think simply because she was getting older, mm -hmm. uh, may have been some sickness there. And yeah, she just needed a place where she would could feel safe and comfortable. Right, and that's where Mama lived, and it was well, three of us, well, two of us. Okay, so, okay, yeah. so she came, you know, her daughter helped her in her latter years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. I guess I got to big get a bigger house then. Yeah, with your house. Okay. All right. Well. <laughs> Have you been feeling tired? Having muscle aches and feeling overwhelmed? Are you always doing for others but leave little time for yourself? Well, if you don't take care of yourself, you will never be able to fully give to others. So stay fit, live fully, and give to others without leaving yourself behind. Fit Life Give is a mobile spa that offers full body massage at affordable rates. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to be your best for yourself and for others. Book now at fitlifegive.biz. I have three brothers, okay? So I figure we could do it like this. <laughs> when we go with me, when we go each of them. <laughs> so okay all right so um I, i'm getting some rich history this is exciting because i wasn't sure exactly what would come out of this conversation about my black history but i'm learning some things so this is exciting so okay so dad just to pick back up with you are there any things that you feel like your mom kind of um taught you as a child that informed how you parent or parented. I mean, we're grown now. Um, or, or, yeah, either positive, negative, negative or were you indifferent no, and didn't think no, about it? No, she, 
she demanded, um, obviously, respect as an elder. Your grandmother did. My grandmother. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and and my mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I. I I think one of the things that uh, really came across from both of them was, uh, first of all, you do have respect for yourself, you have respect for your elders, and you have, uh, uh, you, you want to, if you're going to uh, start courting or something, you get to be sure that you always treat the lady right. And part of that was, if you're going out on a date, you be darn sure that you open that door for her so she can get in. All right. <laughs> you don't let her go to the door for herself. Okay, so you're... That's the guy's job. So that's... And I have remembered that my entire life. 53 years. Y'all been married 53 years, he still opens the door for you? The car yep. door? Even when I go off the house, but that's his job. Mm. Okay. He's a young lady. He sets certain demands and he demands things. But I didn't have a hard time teaching him because he was always so. I go to a grocery store. If I get out the car, if I leave the house, by the time I get around there, he's behind me opening the door. And now it's a habit. I right. expect it. Right, right. You have those, that was your standard. Was and he already standard. came meeting that standard. So you yes. didn't have to do too much work in that yes. area. Okay. Yes. So, so now, Dad, was it something that your grandmother and mom said, or they like showed you by having you do it with them when you were Mostly young? Mostly something that verbally explaining and, mm-hmm. and okay. saying these things to me and, okay. uh, and whatnot. So, okay. Because yeah. you know, with with your grandson, I'm like, oh well, if I'm trying to teach him things, do I? Of course, I'm telling him and showing him, but then you know, it's more of well, do I have him do this? Is that going to teach him when he gets older? You know, so as a parent, I'm always thinking about what do I do today that he's going to remember tomorrow? So mm-hmm. in this conversation, I'm just curious to see about those things that your parents, like, you know, showed you or told you. So. I, don't, I don't know that you can uh, check off the box. <laughs> right, right. You know, one, two, three, three four, five. Uh, right, these, yeah. These five things you 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 got to make, make a good part. Kid. You got to make a great part of how you live your life as a young man or as a young woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we didn't get a, a lot of that, but we certainly got that uh, in some portion. Right. Okay. Okay. So then, what about um? I'm, I'm gonna get back to you, but I just want to ask you one more question about um. The handing things on. So, do you feel like there are things that you passed on to your children that you um, learned from your mother as a single parent or your grandmother? Or were there things that you were like intentional about? I'm not going to be this type of parent. I'm going to be that type of parent. <laughs> well, I, I wanted to carry on from my mother and my grandmother mother is getting an education and being the kind of man that's going to be respectful of himself and of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So okay. education is very important. Yes. You know, and being respectful to yourself and, and others uh, is, is important. Right. 
but other than that, I don't recall having a conversation where, mm-hmm. you know, okay, as I just said, these five things are right. things that right. You, right. you have to make sure you do each right. and every day to call yourself a man. Right. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Now, I will say that in terms of education, you both really instilled that in all of us because number one, mom would work to make sure she could afford to get us whatever we needed, whether it be extra school activity, college or whatever. And then there we watched you go to school our entire (laughs) childhood. It's funny that it takes you to be a parent to really appreciate your parents. Or maybe just to be an adult. I don't know, but I'm an I'm an adult and a parent. Um, so I can say I, I truly appreciate the sacrifices they made. And one of those sacrifices is my mom worked overtime. She worked all the time to make sure that there was enough extra income in the household for things we needed. And I watched my dad go to school my whole life. He took one class. Was it one class a semester, Dad? Or I, one or two classes after work. <laughs> going getting his bachelor's degree and getting his master's degree and ended up um well while working for the county but then ended up teaching at um the city colleges here, at here Chicago here Washington here. right yeah. right and um so yeah and then mom just seeing I have I got my work ethic from my mother like I know that how I work at one time when I was in my mid-20s I had four gigs I was like I'm getting these paychecks <laughs> I'm getting these paychecks um, and that was definitely from my mother working like overtime, like saying she wouldn't be home because she's doing a whole nother shift at night. And you worked at Loyola mm-hmm. in neurosurgery mm-hmm. department and you would work PMs three mm-hmm. to 11. But my mom would then do another shift and work then that other shift, 11 to whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know when. And then because you worked in the hospital, my whole dream growing up was to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, even though, that didn't happen but that's okay um, <laughs> that's okay but um before we go too far down that road mom <laughs> so what are some things that you learned from your parents that you felt like you want to pass on through to your children and that you hope continues to pass to our children well one of the things was the education because my father um if we were he he could not read well, um, but you couldn't uh, cheat him out of his money. He can count. So at one time, the job that he retired from after 25 years, we offered him a supervisorship, but he did not take it because he was not a good reader. Campbell Soup Company actually um, got people in that helped mostly Black people from the South they were good workers and they were good people. And he learned how to read at the fifth grade level. That's as far as my education, his education that I know. My mother went freshman year of high school. And that was their main thing, get an education. Okay. So Campbell Soup had a program for their employees that yes. where they taught them how to read. Yes. Okay. So Prior to that, before he went to the army, he only had a fifth grade education, or he had a very limited knowledge. He he, I a reading level. Yes, very uh, limited reading level. Okay, and okay. he wanted to follow some of his brothers, so he lied about his age in between the army. Oh, okay, okay, I got it. But uh, it was mainly they insisted that we at least finish high school, which all five of us did. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I, my sister under me actually graduated from college. I went just two years, dropped out my second year uh, at Shredding Community College. But they instilled in me uh, a need for an education. And when I met your father, we both believed that. Okay. And we okay. worked to instill that in you, that regardless of what you wanted to be and do, you get a higher education. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, yes. and all of you have mm-hmm. uh, gone further than I have. And even your, like you said, your dad went to school at one point, 14 years all year round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why you and your baby brother know him as a student. Right. Yes. 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 <laughs> and, but it's important. And they felt it was important to get an education. And we felt that it was important to get an education because we felt that there was one thing that I remember growing up in a recall as an African-American person in this country. Many things may be denied or taken from you, but education, if you had it, mm-hmm. that would never be taken away. Right. And we instilled that in, in all of you. For sure, for sure. And you, you can go any place, any place in the world, even now. We've even instilled it in all of our grandchildren, which mm-hmm. we've been blessed to have, to, uh, to the point that if you see some place you want to be or get to, I always say, make sure it's safe first mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. just go. Yes. And uh, one thing that your father has uh, taught us, and when he went back to become a pastor, it said in the Bible scripture, raise up a child the way mm-hmm. that you want him to go. I'm paraphrasing. Um, he will he may, never depart from No, it. he may detour a little bit. <laughs> As people, we do, but you always come back. And that's what we hope to instill in all our children, Mm -hmm. our grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and just remember that God is real, and that's it. Okay. Um, Yeah, I remember you saying earlier the phrase that your dad couldn't read or write, but he can count that money. Oh, he can count that money. So, right. So on that note, you also mentioned to me one of the other things that he instilled in you that you were trying to pass along to us and to your grandchildren is about saving. So the second thing I remember you mentioning to me is saving. Um, And I know that today when I save money, I think about you and my grandfather because he owned a building, he had a record store, mm-hmm. he um, owned cabs mm-hmm. and cleaners, and he was always helping somebody. And there's no way you could help that many people without some money. So I know he had some coins stashed well, somewhere. Dad, Dad always said, whatever job you have, if they have a savings plan, join it. Join it, yeah. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of money, but join it and start saving right early and often right so when we were talking earlier mom you were like oh none of y'all do it i can tell you mom <laughs> that during this I, I have always saved money okay i've always had some money i don't want people to know it so they won't ask yes i do i don't want anybody to know because i don't want anybody to ask for a handout that's right however i will say that um during this pandemic i have saved more money than ever and it's amazing and it was like you because you always said it doesn't have to be a lot. And literally, it's like when federal loans said, okay, we're going to defer or put you on forbearance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, that much money. My mom always says save. Well, then mm-hmm. that money needs to go into savings. That's and right. it just added up. And we've been in this pandemic for a year now. 
and it just added up. So yeah, to your those watching this show, listen to my mama and save some money. Okay, save some money. All right. What are some things that you see, if anything, that you see in your children? So again, it's me and I have three brothers. Are there any things that you see in us that you're like, oh yeah, I did that. Like they are this way because I instilled this in them. Like, or 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 in your generation, I don't even know if you thought about that. I don't know. You know, a lot of it has to do with following in one's footsteps. Doesn't necessarily mean that, as I said earlier, that you sit sit the person down and say, okay, these five or six things are going to make you a better person. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they can be used and be helpful, uh, hopefully you're going to be a good influence on your child. And hopefully they're going to want to emulate you. Mm-hmm. They want mm-hmm. to be like you. And, and that's a story right there in itself. Right. You know, right. Am I going to be like my dad or my mom? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does that happen? How can I can be successful as mom and dad? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, that, that's it's 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 good simply because they've got something a goal to shoot for, right? And uh, and I I think um, I I think that this is how it works. Okay. Okay. You, you do you do what you're supposed to do as a dad or a mom. And hopefully they follow in your footsteps and they become a little bit better than you. Right. And then the next year generation becomes a little bit better. Exactly. You know, you know, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, I can say that I'm definitely, I parent a lot like you parented me, even though when I was a teenager, I distinctly remember being in this room. So this, this you all was my childhood bedroom, which now is like my dad's den. Um, and I distinctly be in this room saying, I will never be like my parents. If I have kids, I will never treat them like this. And that was in response to how strict and structured everything was. Now, what's funny is my three brothers seem to not have that same exact, they had the outline, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think they realized that they were actually supposed to stay in the box. <laughs> and for me, I was like, oh, I'm supposed to stay in the box. <laughs> so... Um, so I thank both of you for all that you have shown me because yes, I've, I've, I never sat down and thought about, I want to be like my parents like this. Um, but when I had my son until I had my son and that's when I was like, oh, I need a frame of reference. So my parents are my frame of reference. And since I came back to live with you all, it wasn't hard to draw from that because you were showing me how to parent as I was learning to be a parent for the first time. Um, but I can say that I, I know that I got my uh, work ethic. And I got my sense of co- continuously pursuing education from dad. And I got my sense of activism. And I don't know if you guys realize this. Um, I would actually say from the both of you, but really because dad, when I was young, used to take me because you were president of the union, asked mm-hmm. me for working for Cook County and everything, of asked me. And you would take me to the marches and the rallies with you. So I'm on the picket lines with you. And so now, you know, and I met folks before they were president, you know, before Obama and Clinton were president or whatever. But um, the thing is, so I learned the importance of fighting for your rights, understanding that there are other groups, because I remember going to some of those rallies that and there would be um, Hispanic workers that worked in hotels, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so they weren't they weren't black. They were these were Hispanic women talking and 
and, and yet it was like, no, these, these folks are being treated unfairly. They don't have to look exactly like me to understand that we need to be fighting for the rights of these other marginalized people. And so for me now, I see a lot of friends who are really focused on, you know, as a Black person, I'm supposed to do this. But I, it's really hard for me to understand being that, having that tunnel vision, because mm-hmm. I was raised by YouTube, making me understand that all marginalized people share in in this fight. Yeah. And so whether you're African-American, Hispanic, whether you're part of the LGBTQ community, whether you have a different ability, whether you're um, older or a child, um, everybody can experience some type of marginalization. So I appreciate you teaching me that and then giving me the understanding through pushing education and broadening my horizon and my faith foundation to then have the heart to reach out and help um, those in need. So thank you. It's one added mm-hmm. thing I like to add that your dad said when you asked the question, do we feel that we said something or did? And your dad answered my part too about showing one of my four children actually made a statement to me not too long ago. He was amongst a group of young men that had no direction in life. They didn't know how to get up in the morning, uh, personal hygiene and maintain a job and be on time for this job and how important that was. And he said to me, Mom, I don't understand why they can't do this. Dad's taught me how to do that. Mm. And so I, from that, and this was, he told me this recently, from that I saw that, okay, what we were actually showing you, he's, you are actually listening. Right. And you don't always have to be a parent, I believe, to pat yourself on the back. Just make sure that what you do in front of, especially children or anybody, is the right thing to do, and you'd be surprised who's watching you. Right. Yeah, because I did ask that. I was like, do y'all ever take a moment to pat yourself on the back and watch us and say, yeah, you know, they turned out this way or they have some characteristic because I did that. And I think y'all were both telling me earlier that, well, you really didn't think about it as patting yourself on the back. But I was saying that in my generation, and I'm mostly, I think, speaking to a lot of other single moms when I say this, that we're like, "Uh uh-uh. We take every we take the wins. So if our kid is doing something good, we're like, oh, that's me. That's me right there. Mm-mm, that's me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I can understand different generations. Y'all might not have patted yourselves on the back, but then that's why we're here to do that. I think that our lives are yes. the pat on the back. So if we live lives that really are a testament to all that you put into us because you poured so much into us and truthfully continue. I mean, you guys are in your 70s and you're still parenting. And you're probably like, well, when do we get to retire from this? But oftentimes when I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, man, I shouldn't be trying to get them to still be my parents in this way. Like they they need to stop having to work and be so concerned. But of course, you're going to be concerned as long as you're here. Yeah, you're always a parent. I don't know if I got a long way to go. (laughs) I learned a lot. So I'm actually going to end this show and continue chatting with them on the side because I have a few more questions I'm going to ask them. Um, And maybe they'll come back to us next year. Who knows? But thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. This episode has been brought to you by Fit Life Give. 
a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. FitLife Gives specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book FitLife Give for your next event or personal service. Book now at fitlifegive.biz. For more details and bios on today's guests, head over to rcreillyempowers.com. And remember to share this podcast with your friends.